On October 16, 2017, more than 100 progressive investors joined forces with the International Club of Rome and the Aqua Group to launch the investment turnaround, the investment vendor. We believe that we can all look into a bright and exciting future because we can reinvent ourselves and make our financial, business and economic systems integrally sustainable. In this podcast series, Dr. Mariana Bosazan interviews world leaders and role models who are already on this path and who can guide us with their advice and wisdom. Today, Dr. Bosazan speaks to Professor Wouter van Dieren. He's a Dutch author, journalist, scientist, speaker, advisor, TV maker, politician and host of the annual Springtime Forum, an assembly on green innovation and green finances. He's been awarded the Rachel Carson Gold Medal in 2006 the WWF Global Merit Prize in 2012, and the nomination into the Royal Order of Orange Nassau. He's a fellow of the World Academy of Art and Science. How, how did you arrive at being such an impactful force for good in the world? What happened in your life that put you on this track? It was in my guts and in my DNA, I'm afraid. My uncle, brother to my father, wrote the first ecological dissertation in Europe ever in 1934, in German, a biology dissertation on the coastal system of the Friesian Islands. And that was new. And in our family, he became very famous. He died young. And when I grew up, it turned out that I had his voice, I had his interests, I had his mentality, I had his soul, more or less. So it was inevitable that I followed his path. So at the age of 12, 13, 14, I started to, uh, to be an activist on one of the Frisian islands where they threatened certain bird species. And I said, stop, I'm here. I'm uh, the nephew of a great biologist, a famous man. And uh, so it stopped. I st started very young and uh, ever since it never changed. So I'm now 50, 60 years sustainable, so to speak. So in, in 1972, you also played a major role in promoting the first report to the Club of yeah, Rome, yeah. Limits to Growth. Tell us about it. And, and of course, yeah. <laughs> you're an international member. And tell yeah. us about it. What, well, tell us the story. Well, I became a journalist. Uh, my social psychology studies I found boring. So uh, I started in communications, television, uh, media, and so on, a journalist, a TV maker at the age of 25, 26. I went to Dutch television. I said, there's something important coming, which is called environment, umwelt, milieu. And they said, come on, that's boring. People don't like that. They want growth. They want wealth. They want richness. I said, it's important because the world is going under. Uh, on our environment is polluted. And listen, a few years ago, there was a book published by Rachel Carson, Silent Spring, Birds Are Dying. And one day the spring will not uh, whisper and sing anymore, but it will stop. And the films were a success. So to everybody's surprise, the first television programs in the Netherlands, which I produced, were a surprise. So suddenly it turned out that the subject was extremely important. The public liked it. And then for this television, uh, for Dutch television, German television, English television, I went to the States in late 1970 to explore what was then called Earth Day, the beginning. All sorts of new uh, organizations did uh, show up, World Resources Institute, uh, Environmental Defense Fund. And I met in Boston a group of very young scientists, my age, Meadows and team. 
and they showed me a system dynamics model on the world. And that day changed my life because it was so shocking and so extremely well done. And I had just read the the studies on cybernetics by Shannon and Weaver, which uh, tell you about uh, how systems tend to seek equilibrium by feedback loops and whatever. So I understood immediately, instantly, what was going on. And then something very Machiavellistic um, developed, which was that I took home a copy uh, and I cop- and I copied it a hundred times and printed and scribbled on every copy, secret and don't don't spread it, confidential and highly 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 confidential, only for me and be careful. And of course, that uh, created what the Germans call erausch and uh, what the Dutch call erausch. Uh, the English have no expression; it's a very low sort of whisper. The, the French say chuchote, you hear in their word what it means, whispering, whispering. And what was it? A very strange sort of report because behind it stood a very strange club of people called the Club of Rome. And that too was an enigma. The report was an enigma. The computer they used was an enigma. Nobody knew what a computer was at the time. There were three computers in this country on which you could run the model. And I had no idea about computers. Uh, But we did run the model, uh, which took for one scenario a full morning. Now it's three seconds. And then it turned out that the Club of Rome came out of Rome indeed, with a man who was a consultant to the board of Fiat. There were two other companies involved, Volkswagen and Nestle, three big multinationals. There was the OECD with Alexander King, the OECD, very strange, why are they interested in such a a scenario? And then there was the, the American Academy of Science and the Soviet Academy. Never before these had cooperated. But the men in charge, Carol Wilson and Yerman Ekvishani, were kind men, were, and they were, both of them, highly dis, uh, suspicious of what was going on in the world. There's something strange going on. There is a cost to be paid. We think we grow forever. Possibly to we need a second planet and a third planet. King was chairman of the World Future Society, where they did explore similar studies. And then gradually it became known in the Rausch that I'm talking about that this was a conspiracy. Rome, the Vatican, America, CIA, the Soviets, the KGB, and multinationals and a computer. This was a conspiracy, no doubt. So the the beauty then is that if you apply such Machiavellistic tricks, everybody becomes a supporter and everybody is involved because you allow them to an insight into a great secret so nobody opposes the publication because they all feel uh, ownership and they don't contest the publication so I launched it in the fall of 1971 in the Netherlands only and then Germany within a few days and the headlines were enormous and the effects in the media were it catapulted like crazy 
and in Parliament, the, the big guys in Parliament stood up, and in, in Brussels, the then chairman of the European Commission was a Dutchman, Sikko Manswold. He embraced it and said, now I have seen the next future of Europe. It should be limited, limiting its growth because otherwise we will destroy the Europe we want. And Sikko stayed there for another year. When he left, after a year, he, left, he wrote a letter to his successor, Spinelli, and said the future of Europe is about understanding the Club of Rome message. And ever since I've done three, 4,000 speeches, uh, 1,800 articles, um, 900 advisory trajectories, and so on. So it never stopped, it never stopped. And it goes on and on and on. Yes, and you're continuing with your Machiavellistic approach to things through your uh, spring tie. Can you tell us about that's not, it? That's not no? Machiavelli. No, no, that's another thing. Um, you and I know that uh, the principle of the interdisciplinary research, but I don't believe that does exist. What does exist is the understanding, mutual understanding between people and between motivated people. That is what, what you need. The whole concept of multidisciplinary research is that you with your discipline and you with your discipline, you put it all together and then something beautiful comes out. That's never, take, that's never happening. But what does happen is that if you have people meet uh, each other, stakeholders, motivated people of all sorts, then they open their soul if the atmosphere, if the situation, if the the place where you are allows so. It's not in a, in a bunker or in a horrible hotel, but you need certain environments. That's why Davos does exist, the World Economic Forum. It's out there, it's in thin air, it's with beautiful mountains around, and the top of the world goes to the top of the world to discuss. Now, in the past, there have been several occasions which did set the example, for, both for Davos, for Courtois, uh, which is uh, several examples in the uh, 18th century, von Humboldt, the great German scientist, one of the greatest of, in our history, set up meetings, not interdisciplinary, but in the Royal Society, for all kinds of wise men, scientists, politicians to meet and to be concerned and to talk about our, our common interest and future concepts. And 300 years earlier, Leonardo Deo did the same in Milano, which was then called the <coughs> Propagone. And so that example of people meeting in special environments is something we have tried in the environment movement, in the sustainability movement, time and again. And I think the formula is, has been invented years ago. And that's what I do on one of the Frisian islands. I bring together hundreds of people under a beautiful sky, lots of light, because there is sea all around us, so there's much more light, 20% more than on land. And everybody does have the same experience. This light is there. There is this beautiful sea breeze. It's always Indian summer, late September. So the forest is beautiful. The beaches are full of birds. The migration, bird migration then starts, the late the autumn. So there are millions of birds on the estuary. And 
under those circumstances, we have CEOs, bankers, activists, greens, uh, blacks, reds, whatever, and they come together. They're all equal. They're all on a bicycle, including royalty. No way you have a car and, and a chauffeur out of the question. If you dare to come with a chauffeur, you're out. We're all equal. And we talk, and we meet in 50, 60, 70, this year, 80 different sessions on finance, energy, climate, uh, resources, nature, all the subjects that matter. And in every subject, we ask questions. According to the founders of the Club of Rome, Jay Forrester, ask the proper questions. 95% of all the meetings are about the next questions and the next questions. All my students, I teach the same. Ask the next questions. The answers are there, but only if you ask the proper questions. And it creates a fantastic atmosphere of encounter and experience. Just to give you one example, in the middle of the night, in the dunes, there is what we call a captain's table with campfires, and the forest is lit by LED light, which, which, or, which is so subtle that every leaf looks like a firefly. So it's the enchanted forest out of Winnie the Pooh. It's the enchanted forest. And in the middle of that forest, there is our princess Irene reading poem, poetry about nature and the earth and the sea. Or there is a theater play or a little concert, and then people get out of there. And uh, in the early morning, they're all back in the June in a more or less an amphitheater where they sit together with a banker, with a philanthropist, with an activist, four or five hundred people in the June listening to the next speeches, discussions, dialogues, where in the background you see the beautiful sails of the old fleet coming by. It's beauty, and it's magic, and that's what I'm organizing. So when is the next event? Would you like to share be- that with it, us? It begins uh, with our international guests. I hope that a group of Rome members are there. But I invite everybody who is motivated uh, for the first day uh, in the province of Friesland, and why? Because internationally the subject of water management is high on the agenda. And the best water management in the world is in the Netherlands, and especially in the province of Friesland, who are one of our sponsors and uh, yeah, allies. So the governor to the, to the king there, he says, can you invite your international guests to my province and show them what water management is like? It's a fascinating story. If you realize that the province has 1,200 different le- water levels, 1,200, which they have to manage. And if you don't do that properly, within a day, everything is un- inundated and kaput within a day. So that's the first day, the 26th, the Wednesday, and then the days after, 27th of uh, November, September, uh, 28th of September and 29th, are on the island uh, with about 800 guests from all over the world. Everybody is welcome to subscribe. Please come. Yeah, so at the end of the event, um, to uh, for our audience, make sure that you um, you listen to the last question because uh, we'll give the details out of the website yeah. and you know, where can people 
register and sign up. So, in addition to being a good friend, uh, you're also a big supporter of um, the initiatives that uh, you know we're, we've brought into life, which is, of course, the investment turnaround. <laughs> Without money, you cannot implement any of the wishes that we have, that we want, that the society needs to do. So, what is your advice with respect to you know to investors, to people, to business people, to economists, to financial people who would like to turn those ideas into real-world opportunities and, and action and Realwirtschaft, as we call it. Yeah. <clears throat> I have been uh, consulting big industry for decades, uh, like Unilever, Shell, uh, Procter Gamble, Monsanto even, uh, which then uh, had a bunch of excellent activists who really dreamt of a better world with their uh, with their products. And one day, after many years, we sat together with the Proctor management in Cincinnati. And the, the chief uh, scientist went through the 82, 82 project that we had done together for the la last decades. And he said, it's an, it's an astounding conclusion that I had to draw, which was that in the beginning, Everything that came to us was a threat. Environmental activism and uh, people who hated detergents and all our products. And then it turned all out to become an opportunity, a challenge, a new product. Because waste is stupid and stupidity is stupid and the wrong markets are stupid. So it, it's all about intellect. And my story was always to all these guys who were terribly afraid of consumerism and consumer activists and green activists. Come on, you are competitors. You think that you're good at it, but you're not because you don't know how to compete with other ideas. You're competing on the market of ideas. So do your best. But there's one thing, if your hypothesis is wrong, if your product is stupid, you will lose. So do your best. The story is very simple. In the beginning, there was no money. And in Munich, at the conference, which I attended with IBAN, your conference, I told the audience, 400 people, in the beginning, this room would have been empty. Now there's 400 of you. So there's a big change ever since. Why is that? Because you are smelling big money or because you're motivated? Because it's normal to think of the next future? That's why you're here, and I'm so delighted. Because in the beginning, we were fighting against the wall, bumping into it, and environmental losses were billions every year. Environmental losses in money, dirt, pollution, uh, stench, unhealthy environments. It was dirty, it was stupid. And then gradually, money came in to secure everything, to clean up, to clean up, to make a better world. The Rotterdam drinking water was a sewer which came out of the Rhine. So there, was, there were millions of Germans who lose the Rhine as a toilet, and then the Rotterdamers had to drink it. And it did, the smell was horrible. It could not be used for cooking tea, whatever. They had to get it out of the Hague of June water. That was stupid. And then the billions came in, it was all purified, 
improved, systems uh, started to work with engineering firms, faculties, students. I myself, I think I've created 10 different faculties because it was not there. And all investments came. Tax money, investment money, bankers' money. And why? Because this was clever. It was simply clever. And people want to be clever. And that's what the whole financial change is like. Now, I keep saying, uh, I keep mentioning another parallel metaphor, which is, in the beginning there was this mountain. And there was nothing. We had to climb a very high mountain. There was nothing. No faculties, no engineering, no law, no regulation, no uh, jobs. There was nothing. No fiscalities. And we climbed the mountain. We, we did it. Now there is a next mountain which is higher. And that mountain we will climb to. With, and it requires billions, hundreds of billions, and that money will come for everybody who is smart, who is intelligent, and who sees what is happening in the world. And all the old models are disappearing. It's, it's fantastic to see. What would be the first line of priorities that you would advise people to go and look at? And um, What are the top priorities that need to be addressed first? Uh, where are the markets that are already building, or as a newcomer, um, you know, where would you go? There are two markets which are <coughs> can make, we, we kind of reflect on. One is the, the market which we started uh, in the early 70s, which is a market of mitigation, adjustment. Uh, so there has to be clean up, there have to be clean up systems and technologies, cleaning up, cleaning up, cleaning up. Think of energy saving, didn't exist. The energy companies sold electricity and everything, and the, the idea was sell as much as possible and don't think, think of efficiency, because efficiency co does cost us money. We have to sell megawatts, megawatts, megawatts. So the houses in the Netherlands were leaking. We have enormous gas reservoirs, enormous amounts, like Russia and Norway, and the gas was pumped into the Dutch houses and disappeared almost immediately out of the chimney, because we had no technology to 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 heat up a house with sufficient energy uh, saving systems. It was not there. So that was the beginning. Adjust to the deeds which are just simple. Uh, <clears throat> when we developed the first wind turbines, and I, I was one of the five in the world who did that, and everybody was against it because there was enough oil and there was nuclear energy, and so the future was safe. And we told them, no, it's not true. It's going to change. So that's the next step. You have to look through the looking glass. What is behind? What is behind the looking glass? Behind the mirror. And possibly there is an enormous discovery behind the mirror of all sorts of projects and developments that you don't see yet. And you have to develop an eye and a sense, an antennae, to find out what that is all about. And I've seen them all. I've seen all the gadgets behind the mirror, all the things that are coming. They're all there. And then the next subject is adaptation. And that's the most difficult one because climate change will occur. We are heading for terrible developments. Uh, it's already here. It's already here. Droughts, uh, hurricanes, heat, uh, cold also. I have... 
with Dennis and others in the Club of Rome, 30 Dennis years. Meadows. Dennis Meadows. Yeah. We have One of the authors of the... Uh, yeah. cl- we have prophesied 30, 40 years ago it will get hotter, mm-hmm. colder, drier, and wetter, and wind forces will be enormous. Unpredictable. Everything will be un- unpredictable. Adaptation in the eyes of NGOs and green, uh, green uh, people is more or less a... <clears throat> uh, yeah... Is, is defecting, is an übergabe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have lost the battle. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. You have to take care. The Dutch have done this over the last 2,000 years. Had we not built dikes, because we said, no, the sea has to obey us. No, the sea does not obey us. The, de- the sea is very, very, very aggressive. And we had huge floods. Parts of the country completely disappeared in the Middle Ages thousands, hundreds of thousands of hectares disappeared. And 1953 was the last one. 2,000 people drowned. So you have to build dikes, and metaphorically you have to build dikes. So all over the world, adaptation projects are should be number one on the agenda. And that is a difficult one, but at the same time, you can understand how it works. Adaptation is about, for instance, CO2 sequestering. Now, uh, people think that it's an end-of-pipe solution, and that's true, but it's necessary. And why? Because the CO2 substance out there is so large that even if you don't add any more CO2, still what's there is sufficient to heat up the planet with 2, 3, 4 degrees. So every technology that we can find to sequester, to catch that CO2, is key. And there are lots of technologies on the way to suck out the CO2 out of the air, to make something out of it which sequesters CO2 in materials which don't evaporate anymore, which, so it stops it. Now, you see, uh, see these developments, for some reason it does not attract investors so far, and I don't know why, because it's one of the number one needs of the world, and the technologies are out there available or under development. You have to develop a special espionage to find out which one are the most profitable. And then the next subject is biodiversity, and biodiversity is considered not an asset or something to invest in. That's not true. It's the key... It, key factor in agriculture and nature. Without survival. survival. If you don't have that, there's no food. Very soon. Very soon there's no food. Think of it. Simply insect starvation. Mm -hmm. There are technologies, there are projects to stop it. So please, investors, come. Same as with forestry. Uh, Africa. Instead of investing billions in the next windmills and solar panels. You can do that, but it's, it's, it's a sidetrack. The real track is about CO2 sequestering in forestry. So please, let's reforest Africa. Yeah, it's so dry and corrupt. Come on. Don't we dare to do that? We dare to send troops. You want troops there. Don't we dare to send plantations there? We can do that. And I know people who do that. They plant hundreds of thousands of hectares. And it's profitable. It's profitable. Yeah, for the planet and for yourself. Yes, it is. We've seen the figures. Now, these are the major biodiversity, 
climate, climate sequestration. These are the two adaptation, climate adaptation, biodiversity, by climate mitigation also. These are the two major tracks, biodiversity. You know. And then, of course, with biodiversity, new food systems. The old food system is bankrupt, and it's, uh, it, we cannot feed 10 billion people, it's out of the question. So there will be the nervous battle for scarcity. So if you are a greedy investor and, and a cynical investor, you, you can uh, follow the prophecy that within some years most of the food system will be illegal and therefore extremely profitable. Think of that. Scarcity creates uh, criminality. Right, so how can we avoid that? And one of the biggest anti-arguments against investing, you know, toward impact is that there aren't enough impact investments, projects to invest in, which I believe it's absolute BS, is a myth. Yeah. So how can we bust that myth? What I do at the Spring Tide, High Tide, Spring Flute, is uh, I bring all these hundreds of people together. In the meantime, four or five thousand have been there. Bankers are there, investors are there, and to I uh, I tell them we have to put a bomb in the middle of people who say that. <laughs> get get away with them. We don't need the 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 uh, yeah. The people who are in the name of the bureaucracy uh, stopping everything. Yes, I'm important in the bureaucracy, so my job is to stop everything, to not be imaginative. That, uh, it's irresponsible. Uh, <laughs> if you would map out what a country like the Netherlands and the north of Germany, all the lowlands of Europe, what they need in terms of projects, Hundreds of these projects are underway, hundreds of them. So what is the buzzword? At Springtime, I bring them together and I show it to them. This is going on, that is going on. That on the North Sea, the North Sea will be the most productive uh, sea in, in the whole of the world within 10 years in terms of energy, biodiversity and protein. So how if do you get that? How do you bring about that uh, productivity? What has to happen? Well, first of all, there is an enormous bureaucracy and it stands in the way, but we did manage to construct uh, thousands of windmills already on the North Sea against every regulation, and we did it. Uh, so the examples are there, and what I see is that once the, the big parties approach uh, the bureaucracy, then things change. So there are now several wind parks in the North Sea uh, under development uh, by Shell, uh, RWE, uh, so a Dutch, German, Scandinavian consortium. You're talking about a few thousand megawatt in places where this was not thought possible. Uh, so there, it, it's a matter of consortia and not of isolated individuals. Then it doesn't work. And um, <coughs> and the consortia, of course, move slowly. But once money from investors comes in, they move faster. Shell is dependent on, on exotic investors, 
Otherwise, they don't do it themselves because they don't have the imagination. They have a large group of uh, <coughs> spies who uh, spy all over the world after new developments, and I know them, but they lack imagination and courage. And then if you confront them with people with courage and with imagination, they sit back and say, yes, we should not miss this one. We, we, we cannot miss this one. We cannot miss that one. Take, for instance, uh, Gas de France Suez. They're now called Engie. They were in a big mess a few years ago. A terrible mess. And then the old management was sacked. They invited a group of excellent young people and see what's happening now. They've split up the company in a hundred different smaller companies and they're developing all sorts of new energy systems because there are new people, uh, alien protein is brought in, mindsets are different. So you break through this by what I call the alien protein concept. Tell us about it. What is that? Because I'm sure many of us need that. I mean, Alien proteins are very dangerous if the body resists it, because then you get sores and all kinds of rejection system. But at the same time, alien proteins can be very effective in in uh, improving your health. And alien protein is about ideas, people, money, and pushing power. Lots of pushing power. The things that I have managed to make uh, that were really successful was because I myself had enormous pushing power and I was not afraid of being uh, thrown out of, of the window, which, which happened. When I told the Dutch air, aircraft industry, which now doesn't exist anymore, uh, that their future would be in uh, wind turbine propellers because they were excellent in this technology, better than Boeing, they said, fuck you. Get out. We are future is about nuclear. We said, no, this is your future. They went bankrupt. And I was not pushy enough. But I should have persisted. So that's the way to go through. We have to f fight against the wall and break through it. Yeah. So yes, and what is the worst advice that you see out there? being given to investors that want to go in this, in this field. Okay, there's a lot of lots of that. The first one is the old-fashioned due diligence. Mm. If you do that, you're lost. Now you have a line of, uh, of young bankers uh, who live in, in skyscraping uh, buildings, high-heel uh, women, and uh, they sit together, sniff coke, uh, uh, work till uh, 11 at night, 12 at night, we have a, 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 we have a Manhattan Wall Street here in Amsterdam. Wall Street is originally a Dutch name. Eh? Yeah, a New Amsterdam had a wall, which was a defense line, a festung. Mm -hmm. Wall Street is a, is a function of that. So Wall Street, uh, the word stock exchange is a Dutch word. Stock is stock, as in German. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with... Uh, with the old word uh, it, floor yeah, yeah. stock exchange is about a stick mm -hmm. which was exchanged mm -hmm. and um, and they are trained to look after all the regular things which they call due diligence which is a which is a fancy word for looking at the irre irrelevant things the first thing you have to do is in your mindset say to yourself Everything is possible, especially if it's inevitable. 
everything is possible, especially if it's inevitable. So things are coming, and they're important, and shuffle aside the old due diligence things. But they don't measure the real thing. Uh, the next advice to investors is look not only at the management experience, because that's a part of the due diligence. Is there a guy on the top who has a track record? Look at his mentality, at his soul. You see that all the breakthrough people had a magnificent soul. You have to look at that. You have to look behind his eyes, his glasses, or hers. Hers is better even. And look what's behind it. What is your mentality? Where is your soul? You see that everything beautiful that we know now has a real beautiful soul behind it. That's what happens. The worst ex advice is so forget about the due diligence, forget about the regular banks. They don't do the job. They are, are stiff and closed in the, in the old system. They look at the figures, they look at the tracker. I'll give you an example, a beautiful example. I had uh, the honor of pioneering so-called saline agriculture, where you grow uh, crops and trees and whatever green with the help of salt water. Why? Because 99% of the world's water is salt. In the desert, there's water, but it's salt, or brine even, or salty brackish. And I started a, uh, a nursery in Mexico, and it was successful. Within 12 years, our special trees grew to up to 20 meters wow. on brackish water. Because the DNA of these plants is adjusted to... Well, that's impossible. Every forester would say it's impossible. Yes, it's there. That's what nature does. And then the, big, the biggest agriculture bank of Europe, which is Rabo, the chairman said to me, "This we are in agriculture and uh, we think that you should be given a prize. We now have a, a, a celebration at the end of the year. We exist for 100 years now and you will be given the Rabo Excellence Prize for this. Once in, a life, once in a century a new crop is invented. This is the crop. And then the following happened. Then I was... Um, given the advice to talk to his bankers and to his due diligence people. And on step by step, they dismantled the idea. Where is the track record? And I said, what do you mean? Well, is there an experience now over the last 10, 20, 30? No, I said, it's new. And if it's new, you don't have a track record of 10, 20. Yes, but we need a track record because then there is proof. Okay, but nature has the proof. And, and we have nine different countries in our project. We did, we've done a project for several millions with the European money and Shell money and Posco the lottery money. And it's all there. Scientifically, it's all there. We have a nursery. Yes, but you don't have a track record. And I didn't understood. I didn't understand the word. It was beyond my understanding. And the prize was not given. Because the advisors to the CEO said, Wouter has no track record. Yeah, well, that's one of the things that they, boxes that they need to tick. And that's the mindset that needs changing. Because as we move ahead, we need new measurement criteria. I, we lost says. millions in this as, yeah. a, as a result. Yeah. Because they tried to 
block it, even went to the ministry and said, mm -hmm. don't follow this, uh, this project of Wouter, he will knock on your doors, but we as experts in world food production, they are not. We say it's nonsense. Now it's worldwide successful. Did you know that? Yeah. It's all over the world. Yeah. We, there is a, a huge center in Dubai now where we, we were part of that. We were, I was in the board there in Pakistan, Bangladesh, Mexico, all over the place. There are centers now. Crops are grown. It's all there. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And we lost the millions. Yeah. Well, that's... Uh, that's why we're sitting here trying to create history as we yeah, move, yeah. move ahead. Now, you're talking about due diligence and that the old ways don't work. What would you, how would you change the due diligence process? You know, how would a modern, more modern due diligence process work and what would have to be included? Well, I give you an advice in this out of practice. It's not a theory, but a practice. And the Dutch pension funds uh, came to me because they are rich and they're looking as you are for projects. Where can we invest the next 100 million? And why to me? Because in their old system, they could not identify the project. So they, they showed me a list of about 60 projects and half of it, in my view, my experience were excellent. The other half, not really so, but nevertheless. And I said, What do you want? They said, can you organize a way where the open society present at Springtime is a part of the understanding and the testing? So instead of closing up in a small office with the wrong guys uh, in Wall Street, open up to the open society according to... to, uh, to Uh, George Soros. You mean Karl the Open Society Foundation? Yeah, but the idea is Karl the idea, Popper. The open, yeah. It's Karl yeah, Popper. Yeah, okay. And the Open Society, that's what I collect. Yeah. And what we did is we organized a beautiful sequence of uh, presentations where people showed their projects and so on, and the pension funds and the bankers and all were sitting here, and instead of scribbling and measuring and whatever... The debate was the key. And why? Because in the end, money and availability of money is a function of society's openness. Yes. Of the society's heart. And everybody could show his heart. And the, the top man of the largest pension fund, his name is Eloy, said to me, this is where we collect political capital for our decisions. Yes. Political capital. And I said, I will use that, that phrase all over the place. That's the beauty. So instead of the closed shops, uh, people test everything with figures, you, no experience from the you open up to the open society, you collect hundreds of people, all motivated, all beautiful, all looking for the truth. They say, this is my invention, what do you think of it? And then you... you Organize one clown in the corner, mm. an actor, who says, I'm against it. Due diligence and, and uh, rendite. You organize and a clown. And track record. And track, track, <laughs> yeah, what a clown in the corner. Mm -hmm. And then everybody sees suddenly how crazy it is. Mm -hmm. And if, the, if then 
we, we did a test with Rabobank and we went through a long list of their investments. Most of them failed. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. 50, mm-hmm. 50 projects, we had a two-day session, this one failed. Why? Well, the, the due diligence was positive. This one's positive. It failed, it failed, it failed, it failed. Because there was no imagination, there was no proper financing model, and that wasn't a matter of mathematics, but it was a matter of who are the right people with the right heart on the rudder. Who were the daring guys who said, okay, you're all against it, but I'm for it because I believe in it. And I go through the wall because it's important. And those ones won the case. Yes, and this is how we met. Remember when so? we met? Is that so? When I, I talked about the true, the good, and the beautiful and the integral model and how we yeah. use yeah. the true, the good, and the yeah. beautiful in our yeah. due diligence process. Yeah, you showed me Ken Wilber. Yeah. And I had used Ken Wilber. Yeah. In my tra- trajectories with Unilever, with Shell, and with Procter Gamble, exactly the same cross mm-hmm. by teaching people along those lines what is important and what's not. Yeah. And you know, you must have the same experience. If you do that well, people start crying. My God, yeah. this is me, yes. and I'm on the wrong on the wrong dot in this matrix. And I want to be on that dot, and I want to be understood here and not there. Yeah, yeah that's we, how we met. Yeah. yeah, we cannot separate the head from the heart. We need to integrate. And that is so simple. That's what everybody wants. Yeah, yeah. So, coming back to to you and how you manage to integrate those in your own life. How do you integrate? What is your interior practice? I know you create music and paint and what is your practice to connect the heart yeah, with the head first of all it's uh, a melancholy I have seen all these developments very early and it was difficult because if you are a function a part and a key driver in uh, understanding where the world is going and should not go it's difficult to live with it and the only thing you can do is two things uh One is melancholy, and the other thing is to evaporate into music and painting and writing and poetry. And so that's what I've done. So you mean you're either depressed and dwell in it, or you do something about it? Is that what you're saying? If I paint, uh, then it gives me energy. Mm-hmm. And some of the paintings are beautiful. Some, of course, oh, uh, they are. Yeah. They are some beautiful. of them are very good. And if I play music, uh, I've composed music for my own films. And sometimes I sit on the on the piano, and it's beautiful. And sometimes it's horrible. And then I have to Just stop. Just like life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I have to stop. Oh God, it doesn't work. <laughs> and and I can cry at the piano if it works well. There is a sonata in A, a Mozart. Everybody knows it, and I start to improvise on that one. And it begins Mozart, and then I change the tone and the style to Chopin, and then it becomes uh, Beethoven, and then it becomes Bach, and the same music all over. I change Variations. it. Yeah. I change it all the time, and if it goes well, once in Sweden with the Factor Ten Group, we had a fantastic conference uh, about a, a resource-efficient innovation building. And uh, there was a fantastic hotel in the middle of the snow, and I sat on the piano. It was an, an old-fashioned beauty, wood, Swedish, uh, Carl Larsson. And everybody was in tears because it was so beautiful. 
So that is what helps a great deal in surviving all this. Painting, music, poetry, I write poetry, uh, articles and speeches. If you stand on a podium uh, and you think of yourself as a botschafter, an ambassador, uh, and as, yeah, yeah, as a botschafter. And if you do that well, that gives an enormous energy. Usually I stand up there and I look at the audience and I think, okay, what is this audience? I feel the energy, I feel their mood, and then within seconds I catch them. And that is that is giving me enormous energies, especially because then I get through and they open up. And then something very beautiful is created. And that there I am a magician. Yeah, there's a field that yeah. we connect with. Yeah. 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 Well, wonderful. So where what is the field online that people can connect with you? See your paintings, your mu music, uh, get access to your activities. Can you give us one or two um, websites where people can go to? Paintings are somewhere on the web, but I don't know where. I've done not so many. Since I was 12, I've done 200 paintings, that's all. Well, that's 200 more than I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it has to be renewed and, uh, and so on. So that has to be a poetry I don't publish, only for my inner circle. But the poetry is in Dutch, German, French, and English. In all four languages, because why do I do that? Because I want to challenge. I want to master the languages. I want to understand how I can compose feelings in, into these languages. So yeah, that's your inner mastery yeah. way to... Yeah, that's yeah. how I do that. Mm -hmm. But I don't publish it. But you will hear, um, I have written English lyrics uh, on classical music which we play at Springtide mm -hmm. so on uh, music uh, by Giuseppe Verdi I've written a song for Springtide you know Giuseppe Verdi Giuseppe is, Verdi of yes, course Aida Josef Grün yeah Josef Grün yeah and it's out of La Traviata and that is extremely emotional and I've done the same now with beautiful French song, La Montagne de Louis Ferrat, uh, also an English song which we all we all, we all also sing this year. I've done a flash mob uh, with Ode an die Freude by Beethoven, mm -hmm. with a new text. So people can get access to that on, on it's, YouTube it's, or it's it's I believe it's it's all, all over. But I've never made something serious out of it. Uh, that will come perhaps. I don't know. Thank you, Wouter. To find out more about Professor Van Deren's work, visit en.springtie.nu. That's springtij.nu. For more work by Dr. Bosazan, visit investment-turnaround.com.